The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Let me challenge you as you turn the calendar on a new year. How many of you would honestly say, uh, be honest, I've never read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I've never done the whole thing. Be honest, raise your hand. There you go. The majority of us, same thing last hour. Let me challenge you this way. We provide helps for you in the hallway. There's a little booklet called Closer Walk that will take you through the New Testament in a year. There's one called Daily Walk that will take you through the Bible in a year. And there's one called Daily Bread, which will give you a devotional throughout the year. So uh, I, I'm, I read through the Bible annually. I didn't do it about three years ago, and uh, we'll never skip that again. It's just uh, something that comforts my heart. I'm actually about two or three weeks behind this year because of obvious reasons, and uh, we'll be catching up and going through it. But let me challenge you, perhaps for the first time, to read through the Word of God. Be a man of the Word, a woman of the Word, and uh, be in the Word. Two things to add to your prayer list. Uh, The one thing you already have here is uh, the Martin family, Tubbs family, who lost 7-year-old Jalen this past week. Didn't lose her. She's with the Savior, uh, knew the Savior. Uh, Add Pam Bland, our pianist, having hand surgery. You can imagine that's uh, disconcerting for her. And... uh, Celestin and Bernadette Musicor, many of you were here a couple of weeks ago when Celestin uh, interviewed him, our good friend from Rwanda. They were in town for the weekend, was supposed to be here this morning, had dinner with us last night. Five minutes after they walked out the door, uh, they found out that Bernadette's brother in Rwanda, uh, some guys were breaking into their house. He went, he went out to see what was going on, and he was murdered in Rwanda last night. So they took off this morning. She'll be headed there to be with the family. TBC will uh, our missions uh, team is, will fund her ticket there. So uh, be praying for them. You can imagine the heartbreak and heartache that is when you uh, celebrating Christmas and celebrate New Year's and find out the next day that your loved one is murdered. So be in prayer for the Musicora family. Chase hadn't preached in several weeks. Would you welcome Chase Bowers as he kicks off our new year uh, from the pulpit? Bless you, brother. Thanks, Gary. This morning we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2. If you want to turn there, that's where we'll jump in the text pretty quickly. And we're going to talk about what it means to be the people of the King. As we start the new year, well, what a difference a year can make. Some of you had your first child this year, so you know what it's like to have a baby and you've forgotten what it's like to have sleep on a regular basis. Others of you, maybe you got a new job this year or maybe you lost a job this year, or maybe both. Some of you experienced the tragedy, like Gary mentioned, for the Musakuras of losing a loved one this year. Some of you, you got engaged this year. So in 2014, you will find out what it's like to have in-laws. Congratulations on that. See, all of us, though, we know as we start the new year, we're all going to exercise and eat right. Isn't that right? I told my wife, if I ever start a business, I'll... I'll start a gym January 1st. That's a great racket. A thousand people will show up from Temple Bible Church to work out on January 1st, and then we'll have five there January 20th. What's going to define your year? All kinds of things could. My, my prayer is that it would be defined by the fact that you're part of the people of the King. We're going to look at what might define it, but before we look, let's look in the Scripture together. 1 Peter 2, we're going to read verses 9 through 12. Peter is writing to a mainly Gentile, though some Jews in the audience. He's writing to folks that are scattered throughout the Roman Empire. Now, they come from throughout the Roman Empire. And in, 
in chapter 2, he starts off by challenging them, just like Gary challenged you, to long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word. And then he begins to use some Old Testament language as he describes who they are um, as living stones, and he points to Jesus as a choice stone, and then he points to folks who are not following Jesus, and he sets up a contrast between those who are not following Christ and those who are. And so in verse 9 he says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now... You're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul and keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Your translation might say, live such good lives among the pagans so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day a visitation. Well, Father, we thank you for those words that you speak about the church. Chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for your own possession. Oh God, let our lives be about proclaiming your excellencies, declaring your praises. For indeed, you've called us out of darkness into the marvelous light of Your love through Your Son. So God, let this reality that we are the people of God, let it change us, let it transform us, let it impact us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, it's an amazing thing to think that we would be called the people of God. So I want to talk this morning about our identity as the people of God our imperatives as the people of God, and then along with our identity, the indicatives, the things that are coming that will drive those imperatives as we are the people of God. So the first thing we want to talk about is our identity, a new creation. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone away, and behold, the new has come. But I want you to hear primarily, Peter is not writing, and the apostles are not writing typically unless somebody's name is at the top of the letter like to Timothy, who's writing to Timothy. But by and large, the apostles, they're writing to people, a people, a group of people. And so he's writing to these people, and he says that they're a new creation. Gary read during the Surprises Christmas series from John 1. And in John 1, the language of creation is used. The language of creation is used in the beginning, just like in Genesis 1. And John 1 tells us, that nothing was made without Him. Of everything that was made, it's creation. It's creation language. I and mean, if we were to go on reading in Genesis 1, we'd find that the, the pinnacle of the creation are people made in God's image, made to bear His image to the world. And in the new creation, the people of God are made to bear His image as we declare His praises, we proclaim His excellencies. Peter uses the language of Israel just like John did. He uses Exodus language. See, this is not original statement. In, 
in chapter 2. It's the language of Exodus 19, 4 through 6. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings, brought you to myself. Therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you'll be my treasured possession. Look there at the end of verse 9. A people for God's own possession. Among all peoples, for the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, or royal priesthood, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people Israel. They're a new creation. A new creation. Who is Peter writing to? And why does this matter that they are a new creation in Christ? It has a lot to do with how you define yourselves. Look at the beginning of the book. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, for sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. See, how do you define yourself? Sometimes we define ourselves by what we do when we introduce ourselves. My name's John, and I do this. My name's Susan, I do this. Maybe it's as a doctor, maybe it's as a teacher, an attorney, a stay-at-home mom, a nurse. Sometimes we define ourselves by what we do. More often than not, we define ourselves typically uh, through race and through national allegiance. I, I remember several years ago, I was traveling down to Juarez, Mexico, and there were several years in a row where there were churches from Edmonton. They would send their kids from Canada down fly down to El Paso, go across to Juarez to serve. I'd serve with them during the day, and then I'd, I'd teach at night. These students, we'd come back together, and we'd talk about God's heart for the world. And there was one young lady, it was her first year, and folks had been telling her about this guy from Texas who came to speak, and she didn't know me, and she walked up to me and said, you people from Texas think you're better than everyone else in America, don't you? And I said, yes. Right. She's been wondering for five years whether I was joking or not. I kind of wonder as well. We in Texas know there's a fine line between idiot and genius, and that line is the Red River. We understand it. So if anybody were going to define themselves that way, they'd say, I'm a, I'm a Texan. But see, Peter, right from the get-go, he wants these people to know that's not how you define yourself anymore. You're not, you're not people of Pontus or... You're not Galatian primarily, or you're not from Cappadocia, or you're not Asian or Bithynian primarily. You're the elect exiles of the dispersion of the people of God. You are the people of God. He wants them to get it. We're a new race, a chosen race for God's own possession. So that our primary, our primary identifier is I'm one of God's children. I'm one of the people of the king. I'm part of this collective group. Yes, absolutely, here as, as the people of Temple Bible Church, but then this greater group of the people of God dispersed all over the world. What would it look like if in 2004 you were defined as, as one of the people of the king, if that's the way you thought about yourself? But it's not just a new people. It's a new priesthood. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. What does that mean? What did he mean when he said, I'll make you a kingdom of priests or you're a royal priesthood? That we all, we all have a role to play in ministry. The priests serve, they bring people to God, they, they make atonement, they draw people close. You've got an opportunity as a child of the king to be a priest. And it's not just an opportunity, it's who you are. Now if I were to ask how many of you 
How many of you in here are called to ministry? Raise your hand. Many of you would not raise your hand. And you'd be wrong. Because see, if you're in Christ, you're called to minister. Now, you may not be called to get up and teach in front of a bunch of people. You may not be called to work in a church office, but you are called to minister. Well, no, 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 Chase. I, 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 didn't, I didn't sign up for that, right? We'll leave that to, to you guys. No, if you're in Christ, that's who you are. You're a minister. I want you to think about it this way. Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And if you're in Christ, you've said yes to that, so you think you get a pass on ministry? Now, let's just imagine you work for McLean Companies, and you say, you know what, guys, in 2014, I'm just going to come Monday morning from about 9 to 12. I'll just watch you guys take some notes, be encouraged, and I'm going to go home. I might, You know what, if there's some place to go where there's chips and stuff on Wednesday night where I can learn a little more, take a few more notes, I might do that as well. But that's, that's really all it's going to be for me this year. Go try that. 2014 might be an interesting year of transition for you. That wouldn't work out real well. See, if you're in Christ Jesus, you're called. You're called to full-time ministry. You're called to full-time ministry. You've got an opportunity to be part of the people of God. And listen, Sunday morning is not the goal. You showing up, For an hour and a half, two hours, three hours on Sunday morning. Don't make that the goal. Now hear me. Maybe you're here and and you're not a follower of Jesus. And you're just kind of looking over the fence into what Christianity is. This might be one of the good places you could find that out. Maybe you're a new believer and you're here and you're saying, I don't don't know how to do that. Tell me how to do that. Maybe you've been here and you just kind of last 5, 10, 15 years. I'll show up on Sunday morning, get my shot of Jesus, and I'll go on and the rest of the week really belongs to me. That's not the goal. See, we're a kingdom of priests who together make much of Jesus Christ. We make much of Jesus Christ. See, 1 Corinthians 12 makes it clear there is one body with many gifts and everybody's needed. Everybody's needed. It speaks of how the gifts are given throughout the body and each member is needed for the common good, for the health of the body. Then 1 Corinthians 13 is actually not a passage that's a wedding passage. It's a warning passage. That you take the gifts that you've been given and you use them in love. You use them in love to serve the body of Christ and to serve the world. What defines us? It's a new people. It's a new priesthood and it's a new allegiance. A holy nation set apart. See, we in America probably understand patriotism better than anybody. And it's great to have patriotism. I I praise God that I grew up here, love living in America. I'm grateful for this place. And it's good to be a good American. But we're called over and above, far over and above our allegiance to our nation. We're called to allegiance to our king. And sometimes we think Christianity, being a good Christian, being a good American, they're the same thing. They're, They're not the same thing. They're both good things. But this is a kingdom It's not a democracy. There's a guy who sits on the throne. His name is Jesus. And we're to shout that to the masses. It's a new allegiance where he demands our everything. 
And we recognize ourselves as part of a people dispersed throughout central Texas as TBC and dispersed throughout the world. So when I see on the news that something's going on in Ukraine, there's upheaval, there may be revolution. I don't think, oh, that, there's people in Ukraine, that doesn't matter. That's not, that's not near me. I've got brothers and sisters there. We have a sister churches there. We've got Anatoly at the seminary and Pavel and Luba and Sergei and Yura and Victor. These are friends. They're partners in the gospel. Or when we hear about Bernadette's brother. Or when we see that people are being killed in South Sudan. I, I know my friends Levi Lucado and Peter Ding and James Bach who are partners in the gospel. They're hearing bullets fly by their house. Or maybe somebody in this body has had something really amazing and wonderful happen to them. That's my people, so I've got to rejoice with them. Or maybe somebody in this body has walked through a tremendous tragedy this year, and they just need to know that they're loved. See, my, my allegiance is to these people. Your allegiance is to these people. It's our, our identity. We're chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. We're a new people, a new priesthood with a new allegiance, because we've got a new story to tell. We've been called out of darkness into marvelous light. I remember when I moved down from the area where I grew up near Deweyville, Texas, up to Temple, Texas. It was amazing. I moved from the land of pine trees, marsh, moccasins, and mosquitoes to the hill country. You know what it's like growing up in Deweyville when you pull up on your horse to a stoplight and there's 15 horses in front of you? It takes a long time to get through. I come here and there's stuff like grocery stores, restaurants, and paved roads. It's like moving out of darkness into light. I love to people, they ask you where you're from. I'm from Temple, Texas. People go, no, he's from Deweyville. No, 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 I grew up there. I'm from Temple. Got a new residence, a new citizenship. Causes me to tell a different story. See, we've got a different story to tell. That we might proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. That word excellencies, it's literally virtuous deeds. We're to tell of what Jesus Christ has done in us. We're to tell of how He's at work in us. What, what's the story you're telling? You can go back to work and people are going to ask you, how was your Christmas? Was Christmas good? And You know, some, some people say Santa come, come to your house and you can say, yeah, he did, but he smelled like beef and cheese. And it was weird. A couple of you watched Elf. You know what I'm talking about there. Or you, you could say, you know, this Christmas was amazing. But every Christmas is amazing at our house because we're celebrating the birth of our Savior. It was, it was wonderful. How, how is your Christmas? How is your Christmas? See, we've got a story to tell. We've got a story to tell. We've got to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness and His marvelous light. We've got a new story to tell. What's the story that your life is going to tell? It's not just telling a new story, but you've got to tell the new story. So you hear this quote sometimes, says, Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Let me be as clear as I can. That's not from the Bible. 
And that's wrong. Preach the gospel. It's necessary to use words. You, you must. You must. Now, you can't just use words. Because if you just tell the story of the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, but, but you're not living a new life, then you're going to look like a liar. Right? So you've got to live the new life, but you can't just live the new life. You've also got to tell the story. See, we're telling a new story. We're proclaiming the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light, but we're living new lives. We're living new lives. So somebody asked Terry and Gene Strom, how was your Christmas? How was your Christmas? They're going to say, man, it was, it was great. I spent a good amount of time around Christmas with these ladies on death row who or getting to know Jesus, or need to know Jesus. It was incredible. So you're telling a new story about a new life you're living. Or How was your Christmas? Remember, our Christmas was great. My church does this thing every year. and We've got about 30 families that we just want to make Christmas special for them. They're, they've fallen on hard times, and we just want to bless them and help them out. Well, tell me why you guys do that. See, living the new life and telling a new story, they interact with one, or one another so well. Often we set them up as enemies to one another. Western Christianity has lurched kind of between a faith that's based on incarnation and cross, but sometimes without kingdom living. And, and then on the other side, sometimes this social gospel or kingdom movement without the incarnation and the cross. They're not enemies, they're friends. So we, we need to put back together what the gospels are trying to tell us all along, that God is king, Jesus is his son, we are his people, and this ought to affect every area of the life that we're living and every area of the story that we're telling. What's this new story we're telling? What's this new life we're living? We've got a new way of relating to God. We've got a new way of relating to God. Peter, again, uses this Old Testament language just like he used the language of Exodus. He uses the language of Hosea when he said, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, in Hosea 1, 6 through 8 in verse 9, it tells the story of Gomer, Hosea's harlot wife, and it says she conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name, No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. And when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name, Not My People, for you are not My people, and I am not your God. That's not how the story of Hosea ends, though. A little further along, God says, I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy. I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. See, these were the Gentiles. They were separated from the commonwealth of Israel. They were on the outside, and God took those who were not a people and he brought the Jew and the Gentile together in Christ for all those who would follow him. And now he says, you are my people. We've got a new way of relating to God. We've gone from being his enemies to being his children. We've gone from being separated from him to being united with him through Christ. We've got a new way of relating to God. We've got a new way of relating to ourselves. We no longer primarily think of ourselves by what we do. We no longer primarily think of ourselves as, as Texan or Louisiana or Oklahoma or Arkansan or white or African American or Hispanic, but we think of ourselves as part of the people of the King. 
These are my people. It's a new way of relating to ourselves, and then it's a new way of relating to people. It's a new way of relating to people. Paul, when he's writing the book of Galatians at the end of chapter 1, he says, these people hadn't seen my face, but they heard I was preaching the faith I'd once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. See, the way he related to people, it was different. It changed. Or Peter, you think about Peter who's writing this book, that before Christ died and rose from the dead, Peter's just this loudmouthed, brash fisherman. He was always bold at the wrong time. He's always afraid at the wrong time. He said something to Jesus one time, and Jesus looked at him and said, Get behind me, Satan. That doesn't give you high marks when you're a disciple, right? But, but then, see, something happened. What happened is Jesus died, and then he rose from the dead. And Peter and John, they're just walking to the temple one day, and this guy stops them and says, Hey, can you give me some money? And we don't have any money. But what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then the Pharisees, the leaders of Israel, they get mad at them because of this good deed they performed. And they said, look, you're upset with this. Because this deed we performed, this was done in the name of Jesus. There's no other way of salvation, no name under heaven by which you can be saved except the name of Jesus. And then the people... It says they marveled that they had been with Jesus. And over and over and over, if you read in the book of Acts, you'd see the early church, they persuaded with their words, and they amazed with their works. They persuaded with their words, and they amazed with their works. What's it going to look like for you, whether it's at CTLC or Hope Pregnancy Center, or you as a small group getting together some other ministry in town, or finding out a family in your group has need, and you're just meeting that need, pouring out love on them. See, with your life and with your mouth, a new way of relating to people. You live such good lives among the pagans that though they malign you, they speak evil against you, they're going to glorify God because of the life that you're living. So when you think about going to work this next week, what's it look like if you think about, I'm, I'm going as part of the people of God? So why don't you think about the people you work with. Maybe, maybe there's a lady that just talks a whole lot that you work with. And you just think, there's that lady, I, this is how I think about it, there's that lady talks a whole lot. Or there's that guy that he's really, really loud and he doesn't like the same team I like and so it's going to be so annoying to listen to him. Or there's that guy who makes those funny noises with his nose. Or my boss, he's just harsh, he's just rough, gruff. Is that how, how we're going to go and think of folks? And those things might all be true. Or are those people who desperately need Jesus? Are those people who need to see what it looks like when the people of the King are following Him? What will that look like this next week, this next year? How are you going to relate to others? How are you going to relate to others? See, these are our imperatives. We're to tell a different story. We're to tell of these events that happened. Jesus died. He rose from the dead. He's Lord of all. And He's gathering for Himself a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And what an opportunity our friends have to be part of that people. 
So why, why are we going to do this? We do it in the past because this identity, we're in Christ, but then there's these future indicative things that will happen. Not only have we received mercy, but we will receive mercy. His mercies, in fact, the Scripture tells us, are new every day. See, in the Old Testament, God's people, as they would follow Him, they'd tell the story generation to generation to generation, would declare His works. They'd tell how He split the Red Sea and His people walked through on dry land, then He swallowed up the Egyptians. They'd tell how He closed the mouths of lions. They'd tell about these three men. No, there were, was a fourth with them in that fiery furnace. And then they'd hope and they'd wait for the Messiah to come. And they'd hope and they'd wait for the Messiah to come. And He came. And He died. And He rose from the dead. And He's promised He's coming back. And so, not only do we look to the mercy we received, we hope in His future grace, in the new mercy that we will receive. We have received mercy. We will receive mercy. And Jesus will be known as God's Son and Israel's Messiah. He'll be known as God's Son and Israel's Messiah. See, we as God's people fit into a larger historical story of what God has been doing among His people through His people, throughout history. So He'll be known through the lives that we're living. Jesus and night He died said, they'll know you're my disciples by this. The world will know through your love for one another, through your unity, through your living out love for one another in the name of Jesus in the context of community. And see, we're, we're part of a greater story. Part of a greater story. Part of the reason you need to read the Scripture is to understand who we are as God's people. Understand who we are as God's people. One of the things that when if you adopt a child, you ask any expert on it, when do you tell the child that he or she is adopted? And what they'll say is on the airplane home or on the way home from the hospital. So one of the things that we've been doing with Jeb, there's, with all our kids, we sing some, some songs about Jesus before they go to sleep. But we decided we'd start telling Jeb even before he knew it. We'd start telling him the story. And so... He, um, he just got a couple teeth that he got busted, had to have them taken out. And so he's got this, looks like just a moose anyway, just a big kid. And he's got these teeth that you could drive a Mack truck through the gap now after oral surgery. So he can't say S's real well. So at night, he climbs up in his bed and he goes, Toy, Daddy, Toy! Toy, Toy! And I'll say, Story. And so he'll go, Toy! He wants to hear this story of how he's adopted into the family. And I love to tell it. See, we're part of a story. There's this cloud of witnesses surrounding us that are people of the King. So when we say Jesus will be known as God's Son and Israel's Messiah, I am part of His people. You, if you're in Christ, are part of His people. And as, as we recognize this and we begin to flesh this out, the kingdom of God will spread into all the world because we'll make disciples of the nations. That's what He told us to do when He rose from the dead. Go. And make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And see, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ and His people spreads throughout the earth. And then there's resurrection that's coming. We live different lives and we tell a different story. Both because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and because of the resurrection that is coming. See, there is coming a day when the new heavens and the new earth are created, and earthquakes and orphans will be no more. Cancer and calamities will cease. Crying and cursing and death and destruction. 
They will be done away with. So as we look forward, we live a different life together. We tell a different story together. And Jesus will return and He will set all things right. He'll set all things right. So what do we do? What do we do in light of this if we're going to be the people of God? What you do is first you get in biblical community. You get in biblical community. If you're not in a smaller community than this gathering, you need to get in one. That's how you grow in Christ. You grow in the context of community. You can't love people if you're not with people. You can't learn what's wrong with you and what God needs to fix. You learn that in the context of community. Get in community. Don't let this be the end. If you're not connected to a community through small group, through Sunday school, give me a call. Give David Richardson, our small groups pastor, a call. Go to the newcomers area, information area. Find out about our small groups that meet. And get in biblical community. But don't just get in community. Don't just get in community. You certainly want to be there because we're a kingdom of priests who are going to serve the world together. But grow in biblical community. Grow in biblical community. See, you look back at 2013. Does life look different in Christ than when the year started? What's 2014 going to look like? Well, you see there's a Chinese bamboo forest. When you plant Chinese bamboo, it can take up to five years for the seed to break ground. Now, Can you imagine that? You go in your backyard in Central Texas and you plant your little forest, little area of Chinese bamboo, and you're going out and you're watering and you're fertilizing daily. It's got to be watered and fertilized daily, by the way. You're watering, you're fertilizing it daily, and and there's this area of ground you're doing that to. Your neighbor's looking over the fence. He sees you doing this for about a year. So uh, what, what are you trying to grow there? Oh, this is my Chinese bamboo. It's, ha- it's happening. It's just under there. You can't see it, but I'm growing it. Maybe after a couple of years they tell you, man, you shouldn't have gone to that Chase Bauer seminar on gardening. You're having problems there. I went to H-E-B, got some tomatoes. You can pretend you grew them. Just tell your friends it's working out okay for you, all right? But, I mean, really? And you're just watering, you're fertilizing, and then one day it breaks ground. Now, this Chinese bamboo that takes five years to break ground sometimes can grow 90 feet tall after it does in a matter of five weeks. Now, did it take five weeks to grow 90 feet tall, or did it take five years? Well, it took five years. So you're watering. You're fertilizing. It's faithful. Part of God's people. And sometimes maybe you don't feel like that growth has happened how you want it to and sometimes maybe we grow two steps and it's like we take another one back see the the key to this is it'll grow a little bit by itself but it won't grow like this if it's not in a colony it's got to be with others and when they're together now people use chinese bamboo to make their soil solid the root system when they're all together is so great it holds the soil in place So you just water away, fertilize away. Maybe nobody sees the growth, maybe you don't, but it's coming. 
See, sometimes bamboo, they say, grows so fast once it breaks ground that you can hear it growing. What would 2014 look like when all your friends... He's a different man than he was when this year started. It's just amazing. Why, what happened in you? What happened in you? You've got to give a defense for the way your life looks. You're so different. Well, that lady, her life is so different. Marked by compassion. No more bitterness. No more anger. Grow in biblical community. And finally, give in biblical community. Give in biblical community. Oh, Chase, you fix and talk about tithing. Let's, let's not end the year on that note. No, no, no. I'm not talking about your money. I'm asking for something much greater than that. Because that's what God's doing. It's give your life in biblical community. Give your life in biblical community. See, we'll jump back into our series on Mark very soon. And as we talk about the journey, really the pinnacle of the gospel of Mark is Chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, where Jesus explains that if you're going to be great in the kingdom, you've got to become the servant of all. For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So you get in biblical community, you grow in biblical community, and then as God's people together, you serve the church and you serve the community around us. See, we're the people of the King. So may His kingdom come through us while we wait for His kingdom ultimately to come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh God, we long for that day when Your Son returns and sets all things right. God, we long for Your kingdom to come and Your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, I pray that this year God, that we would live as people of the King. Growing together, serving together, loving together, caring together. Proclaiming Jesus, speaking about Him together. Living lives that are distinct. So the people around us that don't know you as their God will know you as their God. That they'll receive mercy in Christ. That they'll become part of the people that we are, people of the King. Lord, have your way with us in this year. Be glorified in this church in this year. Make much of yourself in our communities and among the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're dismissed.